Welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. On this episode, it's funny car racer Ron Caps and pro modified racer extraordinaire Jeffrey Barker. We're talking nitromethane and nitrous oxide. This is the NHRA Insider. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Brian Loans, coming off a long, arduous, and interesting weekend at Houston Raceway Park, powered by Pennzoil at the Mopar Express Lane NHRA Spring Nationals, presented by Pennzoil down there in Texas. It was a grinder of a race uh, in ways that we're going to talk to Ron Caps about when he comes on the show. We're also going to be having Jeffrey Barker on as our guest, multiple-time NHRA Top Sportsman World Champion, and he is a grudge racer, a pro mod racer, and a guy who has drag racing so very deeply, deeply buried in his veins. We're going to get into his career and kind of how things are going for him this weekend in his Toyota Camry Pro Modified. Another story I want to get into as well, which should be pretty fun. So the race in Texas, wow, wow, And wow again, I guess for so many different reasons. It was a difficult race. Obviously, Mother Nature didn't make things easy on us. We lost what was supposed to be three rounds of qualifying became two. Of course, what was supposed to be one day of eliminations became two. Uh, What was supposed to be three television shows became four. And what was supposed to be an elimination show on Sunday became kind of an elimination show, kind of a rain show. And then we ran our eliminations broadcast on Monday as we did that with a, a smaller crew. As tends to happen on Mondays, things shrink at the drag races, Um, not just our car counts. We had several teams that had to pack up and go home. Their crews are people that have regular jobs. Uh, Bobby Bodie is still in college, so he actually had to go back to Arizona Uh, in order to complete classes he's at the end of a semester and I'm sure finals are coming up here for him pretty soon so he had to bail out Uh, a couple of teams made the decision not to stay and a lot of that again was dictated by their crew's commitments outside of drag racing and it led to uh, some holes in the order so to speak during Sunday eliminations but uh, overall it's a very entertaining race day I'm taking nothing away from anybody who won this race the pro stock field was full top to bottom Matt Hartford raced his way to the win there. We're going to be talking to him this week on NHRA.com, doing a Skype interview. Going to catch up with him and talk about what was a weird final round. Um, Kind of a weird final round across all three categories. After a day that saw very little tire smoke to speak of in a lot of the classes, obviously the pro stock final was a tire shaker with Hartford getting the win running like 744 or something. And the Nitro Funny Car Final, Ron Caps. we're going to talk to him about this, was out about 330 feet before his car struck the tires and allowed Robert Height to streak to victory. And then finally in top fuel, Doug Coletta stepped on the gas pedal and that thing just boiled the tires. And Steve Torrance got his first win at Houston Raceway Park. We are coming up to the NHRA TaskAparts.com New England Nationals, presented by Bandero Premium Tequila. That'll be happening at New England Dragway. Uh, my home track, a place that I literally grew up at, and I love uh, more than any drag strip on earth. I can't wait for the yearly kind of homecoming there, and um, certainly going to be a lot of fun. My own dad will be racing Super Street, and we look forward to uh, coming back. 100% capacity crowd at New England Dragway, which is great news. Uh, the news just breaking the week that I'm making this show, just breaking that. Uh, tickets are now on sale for the NHRA Winter Nationals that will be held June 30th through August 1st at... 
Auto Club Raceway Pomona, baby. Um, I think for all of us uh, in drag racing, whether you're a fan, a racer, whether you're somebody that simply uh, loves the sport and uh, or you're a journalist or whoever you are, uh, I do feel as though when we actually go to race in Pomona, granted it is um, you know months later than normal. Normally we're there in February. We'd be there about, what, five, six months after that. But um, it will represent more than just a delayed running of the Winter Nationals. To some degree, I think it it represents really be the doors being fully thrown open. And um, it, it, I look forward to it. You know, each of these races we've gone to, Houston was going to be a blowout crowd, and Mother Nature really put the kibosh on that. Um, uh, we lost Friday completely, obviously. Saturday, uh, we were we were dodging the raindrops and. Um, Got the two sessions in, but certainly was uh, uh, a hairy one. And it was a leaden skies, and it was gray, and it was all those things. And then we had Sunday, which got off to a flying start with the first uh, six pairs or seven pairs of top fuel cars, and then washed out from there and brought us back on Monday, which was, uh, by rights, a pretty beautiful day until the afternoon. And one of the things to know is when we finished, about 15 minutes after the last cars went down the racetrack, uh, it rained again. So we barely snuck that thing in on Monday. But to double back on the Winter Nationals, um, I'm glad that we are still calling it the Winter Nationals. I'm glad that we didn't change the name. I think it is uh, important that we run this thing and we run it under its given name. The, the, the fact that we couldn't run it in February kind of stinks, obviously, but the fact that we're going to be able to run in Southern California, it is going to be under the lights qualifying. Um, that adds an element to that event that I feel like um, just kicks it over the top. Not only is it Southern California drag racing uh, at Pomona at this historic racetrack, but it will be under the lights. So that um, that's going to be great. Do not miss it. If you're planning on going somewhere this summer, if you're finally out and about with traveling, uh, get your tickets to the Winter Nationals July 30th through August 1st. And if you're an East Coaster and want to hang out with us at Epping, New Hampshire, you can do that too. You can go to NHRA.com or NewEnglandDragway.com to get your tickets for the New England Nationals. And, you know, looking ahead on our schedule – when we see kind of what races, what tracks, what regions we're going to, there really isn't anywhere left that I'm aware of that has a capacity restriction. Remember when we were in Charlotte, the capacity restriction was removed uh, during our race. And as I look at our you know upcoming schedule here, when we go to New England Dragway in June, that's going to be full capacity. My understanding is Norwalk will be full capacity, Denver, Sonoma, Pomona, uh, Topeka, Kansas, Brainerd, Minnesota, you know, all of these places are uh, thankfully opening up, opening up the floodgates. The uh, the economies of of these areas is certainly helped by the racetracks being open when we come and bring 30, 40, 50,000 people to an area over the course of the weekend. That is definitely revitalization style money for the hospitality industry, food, beverage, restaurant, hotel. Um, it is an economic impact, and we are certainly glad to bring that economic impact, and we'll be glad to be bringing it uh, with the full force of our might over the next several months. Uh, some interesting news in Texas. I'm not sure how many of you saw this, but if you do not follow Steve Torrance on Twitter, I recommend that you do. As just the other day, he had his top fuel dragster at the Texas governor's mansion. They put the governor of Texas in the seat of this thing, and they fired it up, and they whacked the throttle. And they it was a great moment. And it was done to celebrate some legislation that was signed. Uh, Billy Meyer was also present. It was some tourism legislation that will uh, positively impact uh, racing in Texas. It'll positively impact the fall nationals. It'll positively impact uh, the economy of the racetrack in the local area. So 
the same uh, minus the top fuel dragster uh, kind of positivity happening in North Carolina where a bill was proposed, and I believe, I'm not sure how far along in the process it is, but a bill was proposed to provide um, a, a kind of uh, grant fund, if you will, for racetracks for improvements and for um, expansion and for growth and for all the things that um, that we want to see racetracks uh, have the ability to get access to. So um, seeing that in two states, I'm sure they're not the only two states we're going to be seeing it in, but it's neat to see racing and racetracks getting some attention as we are uh, absolutely 100% getting back up to our uh, getting back up to our full strength here as a nation and and as a uh, as a motorsports community. So one more note to put on that Houston race and we're going to talk to to Ron Jeffrey Barker didn't race in Houston because pro mods weren't there but we'll talk to him about some other stuff. Um was the great performance put on in the top alcohol dragster category by Rachel Meyer, Randy Meyer and her whole family. Um, this was a very, very strong car, as it always is. But to run down there, I believe ran 514 in the final or in the semifinal. Uh, they were undeterred by the conditions, undeterred by the rain. And we're going to be talking to Megan, or rather Rachel Meyer, I should say, um, this week as well on NHRA.com. And, you know, Rachel and her sister, Megan, obviously Megan has uh, stepped away from the seat to start a family and to begin that phase of her life. But Rachel is one heck of a driver. She knows the cars from end to end, and she is going to be someone to, to pay attention to. It's going to be interesting to find out a little bit of her kind of forward-looking wants and desires in the sport of drag racing. Um, obviously, we have other young people, uh, Madison Payne, among others, uh, Jasmine Salinas. You know, these are women that um, may spend as much time as they'd like to spend in the top alcohol dragster category. But ultimately, Jasmine Payne, my understanding is she would like to go top fuel racing. And Madison, uh, rather, Jasmine Salinas would ultimately like to go top fuel racing. Madison Payne, I believe, is on the same program. In terms of other upcoming top field dragsters, uh, Tim Wilkerson, believe it or not, has his hands involved in two particular top fuel names that will be coming, one of which is the son of Chad Green. Chad Green, then the pro-modified racer as well as Nitro Funny Car Racer. His son has expressed interest and has, in my understanding, begun the licensing process in top fuel. And there is another driver uh, also working with Tim Wilkerson on this front as well. So, Continuing to see some new names, and these are young names. These are young people. These are not, um, you know, older people to speak of. So, always cool when we have that type of growth and kind of interesting things happening in the sport. So that is uh, my rant for the beginning of this show. We're going to bring Ron Caps on. Ron has been hanging in there so far this year in points. His best finish so far was down at Houston. He made the final round where he came up a little bit short next to Robert Height. So now it's time to catch up with Ron Caps. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Good, good, good. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing good. I wanted to catch up with you because uh, obviously Houston was a, a solid weekend for your team. It was the best weekend you've had all season in terms of uh, kind of finishing position, and it just so happens to have been like the most arduous race of the year so far. So does that make sense? <laughs> was that supposed was was the hard weekend as good for your team or what? <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll echo that with much less syllables than you did for sure. <laughs> I it, it was a it was a you know we've had a, a race car that just the results haven't shown how good our car has been. Obviously we started number one qualifier, the season opening Gator nationals. And we've, we've had a great car um, qualifying and just haven't, you know, the four wide in Charlotte, we cruise had that perfect light and that otherwise, you know, we probably would have advanced even though it put two cylinders out. Um, and we probably could have came back and fixed that just little things here and there. Like Reinhardt says, you know, drag racing is a uh, right place, right time. And so I knew it was coming. We knew we had a good weekend coming and Guido and, uh, Madeline 
all the guys on the team and our girl making making great calls so it's finally nice like you said to, to put that all together and, and show really what this car is capable of i think the biggest mistake Cruz made that weekend was not buying a lottery ticket that night <laughs> <laughs> what i've learned is if you have a lot of good luck off the racetrack you don't want to you don't want to take too much of that good luck you need to save it i've learned that i, I swear to you I, I believe that now that I've had stuff happen off the racetrack and you're like, Ooh, I don't want to take any sort of any <laughs> small chance that I could use a little bit of good luck at the racetrack. So try to keep that balanced. And you know, you go back to the point of, you know, your car is like number one qualifier, then you qualified fourth, fifth, third, and third. So, I mean, you know, like you said, it, it is not so much the ability for the car to run fast. It's just trying to put it all together. And has it been, has it been the typical gremlins or has it just been like, race day stuff you know what i mean i mean we see people that sometimes struggle with week in and week out there's just one little thing that gets them or this week it's something different than the next or has it literally just been just been a little too much here or a little not enough there well early on uh race day in gainesville and a couple other ones it was um the typical clutch wear that you always hear about sure. teams fighting and and this would probably hint hint be a good idea for a nice piece for you guys to do on the nhra show um just how important it is and how critical it is because these teams when it comes into a shop like ours where you've got four teams or you know you uh you have to split up these new clutch discs that come in and they're all made at different times different months and so it's critical for a crew chief to find, and you've heard us talk before, when you find a month or a certain batch of clutch discs and you know they're good, oftentimes a crew chief will put those aside in the trailer for the countdown. Yeah. I mean, that's how important it is that you know that you can apply the power. So um, to answer your question, there's been a few of those races where one run it'll go up there and just wear another hundred thousands, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but it's a lot. And when it does that, it may unload the car enough to put a cylinder out. And it's really, it drives a crew chief crazy. But that's sort of what's happened here and there. We finally had a full weekend where the two qualifying runs and our four runs on uh, race day were the same wear. And we're close. We didn't have one disc all of a sudden wear a ton and, uh, and not, you know, keep us from winning a race. So I think we've for, we've found the problem. We've got a nice batch of clutch discs, and Guido can sort of make those calls now. Yeah, and I think to your point, um, and that is definitely something I will uh, carry with me to Epping as far as the idea of kind of educating fans on this. And, and to me, it's more it's more about the strategic end of things that we really need to do a better job of telling people about in terms of thinking beyond not even the next run, thinking almost beyond the weekend. And, you know, your team has and will certainly be a championship contending team. It is year in and year out. There's no excuse for it not to be, especially with the the brain trust and talent that you have there. So, yeah, I think this is an interesting point where, you know, again, I go back to this thing where I think so many of our fans think that the race ends on Sunday afternoon, everybody goes fishing for a while, and then we just gather up at the next racetrack and we just figure it out from there. And there really is so much long-term forward-looking strategy in this sport that we do need to tell people about. Yeah, and you take that a step further. I've got John Madeline on my team, so yeah. <laughs> he is – he is. Uh, um, he's, I don't want to say a mad scientist, but he is certainly um, – his brain is way, way in front and thinking of a lot of things, um, out in front of the next day or the next week or the next month. So a lot of things have gone on in the off season and races are, are won and lost 
like you said, between races and in the off season, that's really where it's, where it comes down to. So there's a lot of cool things that we've done in the off season and Guido and, and John have in their back pocket. We tested a couple times, uh, Vegas on Monday and we were able to, to try a few things. So I'm excited about trying those on race day and weekends that we, uh, could try them and qualify them. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, right now as you and I speak, um, I'm at home in California, but I guarantee the wheels are turning there in Indianapolis in, in Brownsburg at DSR and, um, and John Medlin's probably in the fab shop making something, some right. trick part, um, <laughs> that's going to help us run a little better ET. So this was like, I'm not going to say it was the weekend from hell because it wasn't, but it was for you guys and for us on the TV side and all of it. It was just, there are certain races for me anyway, in my job and, and maybe for yours too, where you just never seem to find the momentum of a weekend. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it, it's like trying to run in mud sometimes. Literally, actually, this weekend was trying to run in mud. But it's like, you know, on a, on a normal race weekend, I, I know that you have your rituals and everybody does in the sport no matter what their job is. But this was showing up every morning just not knowing what the next three hours would look like. And it, and it, and it sucked in a lot of ways. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I said it in my my interview afterwards. I felt so bad for the Angel family and all the track. Absolutely. I mean, they, they get ready for this. They they rely these tracks do on on the income from this big race they have, and it's their one big thing. Um, so anyway, you know, it's besides the fact of it was tough for all of us. Uh, I watched the show just in fact last night that you guys did for Monday, and uh, you know, it was interesting when you guys interviewed Sean Langdon and talking about all weekend you got fans in the stands and here you are on a Monday it doesn't feel right. There's no, you know, there's hardly any stands full and sure. there's a, you know, it's just a different feeling, but you got to find a way. And I've had plenty of wins on Mondays and even my first win ever was on a Tuesday in top fuel in <laughs> Seattle. So you, you have to, you have to find a way to pretend almost yeah. that it's a race day and the stands are packed and you've got that same mentality going into race day on a Sunday. So yeah, there, it, it was hard to find a rhythm. Um, but I don't have another job to go back to. So that sort of, that helps fix a lot of that. <laughs> you that, and me both. That, hey, I, I should be at a desk somewhere or, or, you know, like some of these team owners, I should be counting my money on a Tuesday from uh, my other business. <laughs> so yeah, it makes it a little easier. Well, listen, it was so freaky for us. We sent Pedregon to the top end on Monday. Dude, I was shocked, and I'm not going to say I was a little disappointed that Amanda or one of the, the girls, Jamie, wasn't down there, but um, yeah, it was a little different, but it was cool. I just watched yeah. the show, like I said, last night, and it was actually kind of cool and different um, having Tony down there. Yeah, it was all right. Listen, we, uh, we like you and everybody everybody else there, did what we had to do to make the best of it, and to your point, I mean, and, and a credit to the Texas fans, like despite what the forecast looked like on Sunday, there was a banging crowd in that place, even though it was fairly obvious that it, the day was not going to be all, you know, roses and sunshine. No, I was shocked that that many people came out knowing that there was a high chance of, of rain and even worse. Yeah. And the fact that it already rained and they probably, they've been there enough to know. I mean, I can't tell you how many fans on Sunday that I talked to from Louisiana and North, uh, just came from all over the place and didn't care that there was a chance that the race may not happen. So, and even Monday, you know, I, I talked to so many people that had already planned on staying in town. And, uh, so yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. Our fans are, you know, they're, 
they're chomping at the bit as much as we are to get back to normalcy. But for them, they haven't had racing down there in over a year. I mean, so, um, yeah, that was nice. You know, I think one of the things that I'm looking forward to coming up is basically every race from here on out is a three qualifying session session race. Uh, And to the best of my knowledge, every race from here on out is a 100% capacity available crowd race, even Epping, which was a question for a while, but they've been opened up to 100%. And, and of course, this announcement of the Winter Nationals coming back to Pomona, which, of course, we're going to run in the summertime, but I'm glad we didn't change the name. And, dude, qualifying at night in Pomona is going to be freaking awesome. Yeah, it's awesome for you guys and the spectators. That's a, <laughs> that is a scary, fast racetrack. Downhill, short, shutdown area, short as it gets. Uh, but it's historic, and uh, boy, it's going to be gnarly. It's, it's going to be so much fun. But uh, I promise you, it's going to be uh, it's going to be unreal for the fans. I mean, it's going to be old school, and, and really, it's it's natural because you know we're celebrating a lot of years for NHRA this year, and it's kind of funny how it worked out. So you know, here we'll be in the birth of drag racing, uh, Pomona at night in the summer, and uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a you know a guy like me. I never got the chance to to go to OCIR or go to any of the any of the great tracks that would run the Saturday night shows in Southern California. So this may be a hopefully not, but it may be my one and only you know Saturday night in Southern California with Nitro Cars experience, which uh, I'm looking forward to. But I'm also looking forward to Epping, and I bet you are too. Uh, you've won the race twice up there, 2014, 2016, and you know it's a unique racetrack. It's certainly a unique environment. I've heard people say it's like the you know having an NBA team come up and play in your high school gym, but no other race feels like Little New England Dragway does. No, and you know we have a huge contingent of Napa stuff I've done over the years. Where I used to fly in and, and spend the whole week in Boston and up in uh, um, you know that whole area. Sure. And I'm come I'm coming in and actually Thursday night going and doing a big Napa thing uh, with the Boston Red Sox at their game. So it, oh, that's going to feel a little yeah. It's going to be we used to do that a lot. So it's, uh, things are starting to feel a little more normal in that respect. And then that racetrack, it's, uh, reminds me of where I'm going this weekend, which is the March meet. Um, yeah, man. But in new England's, uh, they do such a great job of, of making you feel like, of course, it's gotta be up to snuff to what we have today, yep. but it's got that old school feel. And, um, that's not very often we get that. And I, I love that. And, uh, not just that, but just the attitude and the characters that we get from that area that come out to the racetrack that have been around forever and watch match racing back in the seventies there. And, uh, it's just a really cool environment. And, you know, then you plant this track with an unbelievable race surface, um, right there. And, and so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It, it really is a, a cool sort of throwback weekend. And, uh, man i'm looking forward to it. i was i was scared that it wasn't going to happen and so i was so happy i mean of course bob stepped up and alexis with uh the sponsorship and all that and nhra did what they could do to make sure it was going to happen and uh, i know the fans are pumped yeah they absolutely are as uh i know that the tickets are selling like crazy and it should be uh it should be a, a kind of a, a rock and roll crowd like it usually is at the place you bring up bob's name and i want to i want to share a story from my life with you that you may appreciate so over the course of eliminations, uh, you know, Robert had some incredible reaction times, uh, which you experienced one of those firsthand in the final. But 
I was, you know, when he and when he and Robert raced, I guess in the semis, they were within about four thousand reaction time. But I immediately defaulted to the sixty foot time, and I made mention of the fact <laughs> that there was a four hundredths difference between the sixty foot times and only a four thousandths difference between the reaction times. You would not believe how many Bob Tasca fans jumped down my throat for bringing up such an egregious fact. Well, look, we had this conversation. I think we had it yeah. in one of the the Tobler wine nights yep. uh, a couple years ago. I've, I've been upset for years at the lack of that information being brought up on TV in the past, you know, and it goes back for a long time throughout my career um, that, that it just wasn't pointed out. And, and yeah, sponsors, they some of them aren't hip on what's going on with that. But fans, they, they need to understand that the reaction time is it's a number. And it's a number that can be fudged so many different ways. And early in my career, I was I would roll it in deep. And Chuck Etzel, the late great Chuck Etzel, one time called me a deep staging playboy. <laughs> and to this day, to this day, I, now it's a badge of honor because he, you know, he passed away and all. And I loved the guy, I loved racing him. But um, listen, now there's more important things than that, and I've learned that over the years. But the the, the thing is, you just don't have that information, and fans go off that number at the bottom of the screen. So I love the fact that when it's called out, because a lot of us drivers are paid drivers, and we rely on on what we do. But at the same time, you know, when credits due, it's got to be due. And us racers, that's the first thing we look at. Crew chiefs, drivers. So I'm glad uh, that you guys are finally kind of looking at that because it is what it is. But it's also got to be called out at times, you know, and I, I'm as guilty as anybody. Every driver does it at certain times. And that's part of the racing. Sometimes you look at who you race next and what they ran in front of you. And it may not be as important to do that as shallow as possible to get the lane choice because you've seen, you know, maybe a pair of smoke the tires. There's a lot going on. So I, I love the fact that you guys were uh opening that up to what the mentality is of, of us race teams and how we approach it. Yeah, and I think for me, it's like, I don't even feel like it's an exposure of somebody. It's just, it's just it to me, it's like, we got to do the best job we can to explain what's happening here. And I think if it educates people a little bit, I think the more people know about this stuff, the better. And that leads to my next question. And this was a conversation that came up uh, over some beers last weekend, because frankly, we had a lot of time to drink some beers last weekend. <laughs> what do you think of the whole total time argument? What do you think of the idea of what comes up on the scoreboard is the total time of the run, meaning the reaction time plus the ET? Do you like that or do you hate it? I love that. I love that. We talked about that when uh, Dell and I put together a nitro group uh, of drivers uh, several years ago after Scott Coletta got killed. And we, we, we put a lot of things together of what we thought as drivers, and not necessarily owners' drivers, but just drivers. We went and we, we had them put more of a delay on the tree because we had a lot of drivers were guessing back yeah. then. Yeah. And a lot of fans don't understand that the, the, the delays that were put in. And that was to, you know, I mean, like I said, a lot of us drivers are paid drivers. We don't own the cars. Uh, you own it, like a guy like John Forrest or whoever. You can go stage wherever you want, and you don't answer to anybody. Well, the rest of us have to. And uh, and so I love that. I love the fact that it would completely make it more of a team effort, um, you know, for the run. Because, obviously, any more that you stage deeper, it's going to kill the ET and make it worse. And and then you're going to have your team upset at you, not just the crew chief. So yeah, I think I think that would be awesome. I, I do too. I think it's a I think it's um, a conversation that needs to be continued and had and, and thought about because I feel like even 
even in a simplification for the fans, which, you know, again, I'm not trying to dumb things down for people, but um, when you when you have a total time situation, it really does take the mystery out of what a whole shot is. You know, when you add total time together, it solves really a lot of problems. And I don't necessarily see a downside of it other than old people saying, but this is the way we've always done it. Yeah. Listen, Brian, I, I, we need more people. We obviously have to make our sport um, a little more understandable. There's nothing worse than having a new sponsor come out and you try to explain Supercop to them. <laughs> right. I mean, th- it's confusing for us people yeah. that have done it for years, but you you start, you try to explain it to somebody or, or a, a CEO's wife that came with them and that look that they give you, you might as well just stop and you've already confused them. So, um, yeah, it, it gets to be a little confusing for a lot of, uh, a lot of fans and these newer fans. There's the, they're the ones that we, you know, we really need to kind of open our sport up to. So I, I love that idea. And I think you should pound that drum more and more. I will. I got, I got all these, I got a bongo set that I'm whacking every, every week around here. So I'll, uh, I'll, put, I'm like, I'll, hey, I'll do more cowbell for you. I'll like, back you up. I'm like Lucille Ball's husband there, Desi, whatever his name was. Um, so, you know, one last question. You mentioned that you mentioned that you're going up to the March meet this weekend. Um, obviously, not being held on schedule, but who the hell cares? They're having a big drag race in Bakersfield. Uh, just, I know you've told these stories a million times, but if you could just let people know your kind of emotional connection to that race, other than just how awesomely badass it is. Oh uh, well, it's probably like you for new England dragway. I mean, for me as a kid, that was the spot we went every year as a kid. Cause I grew up on the central coast of California. So a couple hours drive. So my dad, we'd either go to Fremont or LA to, you know, to lions or OCIR or somewhere, but Bakersfield was always the place. And when I was a kid, that's where garlics would tow out to. That's where Coletta would come out to. Everybody wanted to race rain for rent and born a Cobra. I mean, it, it was just the spot. So, um, so for me growing up there and to go back there now, it's, it reminds me, like I said, of new England dragway. It's an old school place. That's, that's obviously updated and up to snuff for what the, today's standards are, but it, it is one of the coolest racetracks to go to for a race because you get these casters and you get these old school front engine dragsters. And there's a huge array of sh- cars, cackle cars everywhere. It's just a, it's a, such an event. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, back then you would, go to the hotel at night because back then they would they wouldn't keep the cars the track they would go to the hotel and actually work on them and i remember walking around the hotel was more exciting than being at the race because you'd look in a room and there'd be don garlic putting together a set of cylinder heads in the in the bathtub and cleaning them you know it was just insane so um that's that's that you know that excitement i get going there and to finally get to win it in a fuel altered last year was awesome but i'm gonna go this year and just spectate and uh cheer on some friends and drink some beers and just hang out and be a spectator listen you say that but i know that there'll be a helmet a fire suit in the trunk just in case <laughs> you know, <laughs> i just put it in the trunk so yeah, i do have my helmet back <laughs> of course you do and, and you never know as right? well you should man as well you should you never know somebody uh you know somebody gets a case of the hiccups and they can't come to work on sunday and they can plug somebody in you, you gotta be you gotta be ready uh that's funny well, hey, Ron, uh, thanks so much for taking the time, man. Um, glad to see the car really kind of coming around, and, and certainly uh, that final round appearance in Houston uh, should lead you to some great things. I will see you in Epping in a couple of weeks, and I may actually see you at that Red Sox game. I think I'm going to that game with a couple of guys on the Fox crew that night, so maybe we'll uh, drink some Sam Adams together or something. You got it. Looking thanks, forward Ron. to it. See ya. See you, man. 
It's always really fun to catch up with Ron Caps on a variety of different issues and topics and uh, never afraid to share his mind and give us some insight into what's going on with his team and the sport and kind of the things he is thinking about as well. We now shift gears to the Pro Modified category, E3 Spark Plugs Pro Mod presented by JNA Service, one of the drivers who continues to impress with starting line prowess, tuning ability, and speed is Jeffrey Barker. Jeffrey's rocking and rolling in the Lowe's Toyota Toyota Camry machine this year, and he's making waves of that big nitrous engine. Jeffrey Barker, welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast. How you doing, man? And our second guest in this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast, he is a guy that drives the Lowe's Toyota Toyota Camry in the world of NHRA Pro Modified Action. Jeffrey Barker, how you doing, man? Good, Brian. How about you? I'm doing really well, and I look forward to talking to you here because I want to get your perspective on a couple things. Obviously, you know, ProMod's a class that uh, gets tons of attention, and your car in particular has been getting a lot of attention this year. How did you end up in a Camry, man? This is awesome. Well, so the local Toyota dealership uh, in my hometown, we've been affiliated with them guys for a long time as through businesses, uh, been business partners. Uh, my dad has known the family for a long time and actually flies their jet and as well works with them. Um, and they, you know, in the past showed interest uh, back in 18 when I was running the GXP and Pro Mod. Uh, they, they came on board for a race or two and, and showed a little interest there as well. Since then, uh, Wayne Lowe was the, was the owner. He passed here recently. But his grandson, Jeremy Smith, is, is now the owner of the store, which um, he has taken over and, and showed a lot of interest in drag racing, thinks it's really neat and thinks it's you know, a way to, to better their business and for the, you know, the future. And, 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 and last year he came on board a little bit, but this year he said, you know, can we do something a little different to, to, to make it worth my while? You know, it's kind of silly to sponsor a Camaro. Yeah, right. So that, that's kind of how the Camry deal came about. Um, and you know, to, to see how it went, we kind of, you know, made it to where it was a simple deal to where you could, we just basically wrapped the car. Yeah. And, and, and it actually, I mean, to me, it turned out pretty good for, for the way it looks, you know, it's, it's different. So it's just a marketing deal and, and just like all, any of the stuff. And at the end of the day, let's face it, do, do any of them really look like they're supposed to? Not really. No, absolutely not. But, so, and, and that's the genius of this. It, it was like a, it was a great move. And I guess my question is before you actually saw the wrap on the car, were you were a little bit nervous about how it was actually going to look? Well, I was, but, you know, I've seen some pro-stock cars in the past that were sold and turned into, you know, imports or whatever that gotcha. were wrapped, and, and they looked pretty cool, so I thought, well, it won't be that big a deal, so I had a, a design done on it, and we, we was originally going to wrap the entire car, and we, I just kind of hated to do that for a couple reasons. One, the paint is so nice, and yeah. then two, the added weight on it, so... When I had it at the, the wrap, uh, the shop that's close by home, I said, what if we just did just the front? And he said, well, let's just give it a whirl. So that's what we did, and it turned out good. It really, I mean, if you wasn't, if you're not five feet from it, you don't even know that it's, that it's done that way. No, you wouldn't, and it, and it looks so. great going down the racetrack too. And again, it's just it's unique. And I realize, listen, it's a it's a nose job with some vinyl, but it, it, like you said, it, it it definitely gets conversation going, and people stop and For look sure. at it because I've seen them, and it's funny as hell when they actually go, "Hey, wait a second. <laughs> you know, <they> stop. <laughs> it's great. That's right. So, sure. You know, this season has gotten off to I'd say a pretty decent start for you, maybe not to your own standard, but I mean, right now you're basically two rounds out of a, out of being top three, a top three player in the points. I want to get your impression about how you feel things have gone so far. They've definitely gone well. I mean, of course, you always want to you always want to improve, but this year we've we've tried some things and and you know, kind of 
I don't get to go test a lot like maybe some of the other teams do. Yeah. Typically, I'm testing the week of the race somewhere, and that's it. So we try to make as smart, you know, as many smart moves as we can. Um, and it and it's it's went well. We we do have room for improvement. Um, but overall, I mean, I'm you know I'm satisfied with the way that it's gone so far. I mean, of course, I like to do that. Like the first race in Gainesville, uh, I know one thing you may mention is some of the rules and yeah. and the shift rule. And and I actually kind of to be honest with you, I think I'm the only car in the class that's got a five speed, so I've got to shift more than anyone. And it's um, it, it's it is a challenge. I personally like it, and the reason I like it is is it gives the driver a chance to screw up. Yeah, it does. You know, so what I was getting at with that is I ran my teammate Justin Bond second round of Gainesville, and I, I had him big time on the tree, um, and my car went way over to the center line, and I over revved two gears by a couple hundred RPMs and ended up losing the race by three ten thousand. Oh god! So, <laughs> you know, if I'd have not done that, I would have more than likely won the round. So it, I also had the shoots out maybe a little bit early too. We don't want to talk about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, you know, um, the the season. I mean, I, I like the direction it's going. We've got uh, we've got some ideas for some things that we're going to continue to to push and keep trying and. You know, we'll just see how it goes. I mean, I think we can run, you know, with the rules they just changed. It's definitely going to help us a little bit. Uh, and I think we can be a contender for sure. So, yeah, let's let's go down that road as well because I think it's funny because so many, like, fans um, are like, they're like, we need old school drag racing back. And it's like, yeah, we, you got it. It's called Pro Mod. Like, old school drag racing, they change the rules, like, every six minutes. And that's kind of what's right. been going on this year in this class. So the way I read it and the way I understand it anyway is that there's been some weight taken off, a marginal amount for you guys, 15 pounds, which we'll get into that in a minute. But there's been weight that has been added to some of the other combinations. So as you sit here as a nitrous racer, what's your impression as to the changes that were made and, and what do you feel like their effect could be? Well, the Pro Charger cars, I mean, you know, they they definitely needed. I mean, they made yeah. a big change before Atlanta. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it, it hurt the guys' pocketbooks for sure because my car owner, Cal Belushi, you know, has one of them. So it was a lot. They spent a lot of money to get everything back where it was and they ran just as good they just had to do a lot of work and rev the engines up and run them harder um the weight deal that they've added i think for a class as a whole is the right move um you know nobody wants to go to a race when they're covered by a tent oh absolutely you know? yeah that's a absolute and, and, fact and you know a lot of guys say well work on your program harder yeah i get that for sure but when you got pretty much the vast majority of the pro charger cars just killing everybody. I think that that tells you something, you know, um, the, the added weight to the roots cars. I mean, you know, I, I think it could have gone either way. They have ran very well. I mean, like I know in Atlanta, I think Stevie had, I think he was quicker than anybody yeah. or close to it. Um, but you know, when we get to Charlotte and airs, uh, air is pretty good there too. So, uh, the pro charger cars, they figured out some more stuff testing, but, the roots deal, like I said, I think it could have gone either ways. You know, you got a few roots cars that run a little better than the others, but I think NHRA is just looking at the the total picture of it. The, the weight off the nitrous cars, I'll be honest with you, I can't get there. I was going to so, ask that because, and, and is there anybody that you think can? I mean, because that's it's it's almost inconceivable. You could have a you could have a full right. body car that weighs freaking twenty five hundred pounds. It seems insane. Right. So I mean, I, my my minimum will be twenty five hundred because I run a nine hundred three. Um, 
I, I can't get there. I'm with all the weight out of the car. I'm 50 pounds over that. So, uh, and I, and I have to run a little weight in the car just to keep the balance right. Yeah. I don't, you know, if I had a 959, cause it really don't weigh no different than a 903, I could probably be, you know, within 20 pounds of the, the 959 minimum, which is 2550. So, uh, it's not going to help me to lick by taking the weight off. Just being honest. Do you think so, will anybody? And I realize it would be a fairly major swing, but do you think that this makes the nine fifty nine any more attractive to anybody, or do you think that nine fifty nine just the penalty in itself is just not worth it? I, I I really I really don't know. I've ran both, and they both I've ran just as good with the nine hundred three. So it's really hard to say. It, it, it'd be hard to tell me that the nine fifty nine can't run better. I yeah. just don't see how it couldn't. I just didn't have quite enough runs to get it there, and the 959 I run was a little older combination with a different deck height and rod and all that stuff. It's not really what – it's not the ideal thing what you'd want to run. Uh, but I, you can't tell me that a 959 couldn't run better. I don't, just don't see how you could. You ought to be able to put more nitrous in it and all that good stuff. Yeah, because so, the volume's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, as far as making it attractive for some of the PDRA guys or such to come over and run – I think the biggest thing with them guys not coming is, for one, you know, they, they've got their cars as super trick light as they can get them. Yeah. You know, I want to say 2450 or something's their minimum. I don't know that they're they're there, but they're, they may be close. But the biggest thing is I don't think they want to add all of the safety requirements, you know, that's required to run an NHRA, the, the tunnel and all the other stuff to add, you know, to spend fifteen or 20000 and then add weight to the car. So I think that's why we haven't seen some of them guys come over. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. That would be just a humongous major league investment. Uh, when we look at the way the season lays out, you know, for fans, we talked a little bit about, you mentioned the roots and the centrifugal combinations. What is the weather you're looking for for your nitrous car? Because we know each combination has its has its weather. What are the races you're looking for for this nitrous car? Uh, I need about 200 water grains and about 120 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, you know, when the water grains are up around a hundred range is when, you know, we can really run these things real hard and a lot harder than we normally would. And when it really, the biggest thing is it's going to, it's going to hurt the other cars more, you know, more than it's going to hurt us. So anything over a hundred water grains, the, the, the roots blown cars and, and the the centrifugal cars are going to take a bigger hit than we are. So that's, that's, uh, that's more nitrous weather as we all know it for sure. I'll tell you what, Norwalk in late June, you could get it because that place can get pretty. It can get pretty stewy those weekends. Yeah, We've been out there that time. Yeah. Yep, yep. They're running PRA there this weekend, and uh, I, I looked earlier, and it was it wasn't hot. It was like low sixties, but the barometer was real low, and the DA was actually worse than I figured it was. You know, than it would have been for that temperature. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been there in June. It's been cool too, but but generally it can be pretty icky. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about your family as well. Your wife, Lindsay, is a very well-noted racer, national event winner, um, and obviously the mother of your kids. I mean, you guys are down uh, actually on a family trip right now that you're taking some time out to uh, to chat with us. Um, how much of how much fun has that been, and how much is that kind of integral to your relationship? Because I don't know if she would – if she wasn't who she was, I'm not sure she would quite understand who the heck you are. No, you're right. I mean, that's what that's what – that's how we met. So that's really – like we go to a race that's just kind of like going home for us you know it's uh it's it's tough right now because our kids are young i got a one-year-old and a three and a half year old so it's it's tough traveling i mean going down the road in a motorhome you know 10 12 hours or something like that's 
makes it hard. But but I'm not going without them. That's just the way that that's the way I feel. That's the way they feel. So we uh, we enjoy it. It's a lot of work. My daughter, she's done got gung ho in it. I guarantee you, she'll be in a junior as soon as she can. So uh, it it really 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 helps a lot for for them to go. And I mean, she does a lot to help as well, even with the kid without. The, even besides the kids, I mean, my guys come and help, and she'll make sure we all get food to eat and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's definitely a definitely a team effort. And speaking of team efforts, I mean, when we look at the point standings in ProMod right now, four of the top six cars wear the uh, Bahrain One name on the door. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this team because I'm not sure a lot of people understand kind of how this whole thing works. You have Stevie, you have yourself, we got Khaled, and we have Justin Bond, and we got a couple different crew chiefs in there. And I guess talk to me a little bit about the about how the Bahrain One team kind of functions. Well, so uh, Belushi and Stevie have, have been – you know, the Bahrain teammates for, for quite some time. And, uh, you know, Justin raced a little bit back when I think it was him and Molinari yep. had their car together. And, uh, and, and when Belushi owned the GXP, or some people don't even know that the GXP that I drove in 18 Belushi owned it then as well. So I got connected with Belushi through Stevie. Um, and then Justin and Belushi have been friends over the years or whatever. And that's kind of how we've all got together. Belushi, Belushi's one of those guys, if he could, if he could own a car or own enough cars just to have people drive them and like it, you know, and the, and the financially made sense, he would do it. Cause he just loves racing. He loves for everybody to go out there and have a good time and compete. And that's just the way he is. So I'm fortunate enough to, to have came on board, um, to, to drive the nitrous car. And that, that's my, that's, that's kind of my niches, the nitrous sure. stuff. I'm just not, I'm not a blower guy or, you know pro charger turbo guy just the nitrous stuff's my deal so it was just kind of a fit through that and i you know i wouldn't have the opportunity if it wasn't for belushi for sure as well as you know stevie's recommendation to belushi several years back so that's kind of how it took off but it's a it's yeah. a it's a great collection of really smart people, which I which I think is cool, and it's a you know it's a loose connection between all you guys to some degree, but but Cala definitely kind of seems to be the hub of the wheel, and one of the most interesting experiences I probably ever had in drag racing is when we went on this trip to Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago, and and Khaled came to this show we were at in, in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and. You know how he is. He's a very unassuming guy. He's super cool. He's really chill. And this dude got treated like Elvis. He walked up to our area, and all of a sudden, all these people recognized him, and he was getting swarmed, which you, you can only imagine how he reacted to this. But it was cool to see how big a deal he is in his in his kind of home region. Right. Yeah, I have not been over there, but Stevie's told me, he said, when when you go somewhere with Belushi over there, He's like you're just like you're the king. You just yeah. pull up and do whatever you want. <laughs> it was awesome. It's just it's not his nature to be standing out of, out of the crowd. And there he was, like surrounded by people. And he he grabbed both me and Pedragon and took us out to dinner somewhere to get away from everybody. But it was cool. And I guess looking we'll forward, do. you know, looking forward to the rest of the season. I know when when the season got started, you were kind of saying, okay, well, depending on how things are going, I'm going to map out my year. Uh, what does it look like for you? Do you plan on making the trip west? Kind of what's it shaking out to be right now for you? My, my plans right now are, are not to go out west to Denver. Um, it, it's just – I just don't know if I can get away for that long. It's just going to be a tough deal for me to get there, not to mention it's going to be a tough race for – Yeah, ultimately you know, this I, is I mean, a nightmare for a nitrous car up there. Yeah, you know, you say that, and I I, I really don't know. Yes, it would be tough, I think. I, I think if you had you did some testing, you could really get, get it figured out, and I think they would run well. 
But being as, you know, that far away and not being able to just say, hey, I'm going to go test there and see how it does, yeah. I, I think it would be a really tough race for a nitrous car. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, and but, the last thing you want to do but, is meld your stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, de- definitely on the on the schedule, you know, definitely Norwalk, uh, uh, Indy, back to Charlotte, and then some of the, you know, races in Texas and whatnot nice. later on in the year. So, But the only ones right now I'm really up in the air on is Denver and Brainerd for sure. No, that makes total sense, and uh, I think as we've seen over the years, this class can can switch directions pretty fast in terms of point standings. Like I said, you're six right now. You win two rounds against uh, against the right people. You're you're a top three car. So, Jeffrey, I appreciate it, man. 2015, 2017, top sportsman, world champ, hell of a grudge racer, uh, hell of a nitrous tuner, and hell of a good guy. How about that? <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Hey, man, enjoy your vacation with your family, and I will see you uh, in Ohio at the end of June. Thanks, man. Sounds good. All right, man. Always great to talk to Jeffrey Barker, a guy with a plan, so to speak, in the world of nitrous uh, pro-modified racing. Neat to hear his perspective on the rules changes. And as he alluded to, there was weight added to centrifugal blowers, to roots blowers. There was weight lifted from turbocharged combinations and from the nitrous combinations. Now, the nitrous combination that he runs, that 903-inch engine, had, did have to weigh 25.15. It now has to weigh 2,500. And you say, what's what good is 15 pounds? Well, the 15 pounds isn't as big a deal as the weight added to the other cars. So, yes, the 15 pounds coming off the nitrous car, as Jeffrey said, he didn't even think he can get to the minimum, uh, which most people can't, uh, is less a deal, is less a big deal than the weight added to the other combinations to, again, try to keep things in line. And if you're wondering, well, why do things need to be kept in line? There was a centrifugal car that went 563 at Charlotte during qualifying after all the rules changes had been made to slow the superchargers down and all uh, when they had run 562. This car went 563, so this is another kind of step to uh, maintain as much parity as is humanly possible in the class. Great to talk to Ron Caps. Great to talk to Jeff Barker, two very different people in very different places in the world of drag racing, but two that are successful and have been at it for a good long time and have done so to build very good resumes. Can't wait to be back with you next week. Have an interesting show coming. Going to tease it. I'm not going to tell you all about it, but I'm going to tell you we're going to feature a style of drag racing that the NHRA has begun to embrace, has begun to talk about, has begun to reward competitors with special wallies over, and we're going to talk to the track operator and the racer that won the first one of these special wallies. It is a very cool program coming next week. You're going to dig it. You're going to learn something and meet a personality in drag racing that you as an NHRA fan may not know, but a lot of other people do. Thanks for listening to the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm Brian Loans. I encourage you to go to NHRA.com or NewEnglandDragway.com to get your tickets for the TaskAparts.com NHRA New England Nationals presented by Bandero Premium Tequila coming June 11th to the 13th. And just get on the lookout for your tickets for races like Norwalk, Ohio, Denver, Sonoma, Pomona. All these races have tickets available, and the NHRA Tour is coming to your hometown. It's Camping World Drag Racing at its finest, and our next stop is going to be my home track in Epping, New Hampshire. See you there in a couple weeks, and I'll see you right back here on the Insider Podcast next week.